Welcome to Hope Community Podcast. It's great to have you join us today listening online. We pray you'll be impacted by our message this week. Enjoy. I get to fulfil a little bit of a life dream this morning, though, because this morning I've written a message on fun. Fun. I have wanted to preach a message on fun for so long. But I woke up this morning and I kind of thought, oh dear, I might not get to preach this message. It's a bit of a drive, a bit of a drive from us to you up here. And uh, fortunately, I got through. And when I got here, Tam, you said it was the first time in your pastoral career where you actually went and checked what message you had on file to do in case we were still fording the rivers to get here this morning. Well, do I just out of interest, which one would it have been? You know, that's what I'm wondering. What? No, fun, fun, fun. I just thought we might put it to, put it everyone. What do you want? No, anyway. Fun. A little while ago, I was sitting in the sanctuary, uh, which is a beautiful old uniting church building in Ashgrove. And um, ahead of every one of our times of prayer and meditation, we just, uh, Kerry and I, we just sit and we pray and we say, God, what? What are, you, what are you leading us in? And it was ahead of a Sunday and I remember praying that, God, what are you leading us in for this Sunday? Quick as you like, the word came back, chocolate. Let's do chocolate. And I'm sitting there. This is how a little dialogue between me and God unfolded from then on. I'm like, chocolate? <laughs> yeah, right. What? Like, no, no, no. No, God, no, I'm, I'm serious. What are we really doing on Sunday? And God goes, hang on. Why, why wouldn't it be chocolate? And I'm like, well, I mean, chocolate's just fun. Chocolate's like a, a light-hearted thing. It's not sort of something that would come from you for a Sunday. So I don't think it'd be, there's this silence. God's like, well, let's just keep going with this train of thought. He said, let me get this right, what's going on for you. If it's not serious and if it's fun, it's not coming from me. But if it's serious and weighty and you have to lower your voice like that to talk about it, then that's more likely to be from me. And I went, oh, well, I guess when you put it like that, yeah. Yes, I think that is. I think that is what goes on for me in there. And then God, you know how God just has these questions that are just great at just getting to you? He said, Tim, what has happened to you that has made you separate fun from me? What has happened to you? that has made you separate fun from me. And I took a moment to reflect on that and I realised that's true. I'd, I'd done that. I mean, I'm fun, right? I've got a HK Holden. <laughs> you don't do that for any other reason but fun. Like it's not environmentally friendly, it's not reliable, it's not comfortable, it's not, it's going to break down, you've got to catch an Uber every time you drive it. Like it's... <laughs> There's only one reason you do that. That's fun. I'm fun. I've got a, like I'm a, I'm a graduate of fun. I've got a Bachelor of Arts in Leisure Management. 
I'm like heading into postgrad. Fun, you know. <laughs> I kind of think that God gives me permission to have fun. But I struggle to see fun as an attribute of God in the same way that I see other attributes of God. So I don't think that fun in my faith journey is an outworking of an attribute of God like other attributes of God. Let me give you an example. Love. We know God's loving, right? We know it. And so when we have an experience of God's love in relationship with Him, we know that's part of the journey. We know that's coming from Him. And when there's an outworking in our lives of love, we know that is God coming in us and working out through us in an experience of love, right? Anyone else know that? Same with holy. Same with God is holy. And I have an experience of God's holiness and I know that's part of the Christian walk. I know that's deeply part of my faith. Same with God's mercy. Same with God's compassion. Same with God's heart for people. I know all those things about God. But fun and God, I, I kind of had that categorised just differently in the library, you know? For some reason, I didn't know God was fun like I know God is love. For some reason, I'd made sense of fun in my life as something that I liked and something that God gave permission for, but I realised I don't need to get God's permission to love. Hmm. So I wanted just to give you an opportunity to take a quiet moment now and reflect on your life and fun and God. Where does it sit? Is God fun? Is God lighthearted or is He serious? Is fun something that when it happens in your life, you are permitted to do? Or is fun a direct outworking of who you know God is? and as much a part of the Christian life as an outworking of love or awe or reverence or compassion. Just think about it. Have you got fun categorised differently? Why? What has happened to you that you may have separated fun from God? So... Since my, now I call this my infamous chocolate conversation with God, since that moment, he has been showing me stuff about him and fun. And you know what? He's really fun. <laughs> I'm seeing you things in the Word that I've never seen before and he's contagiously, he's the funnerest. He's... He's really fun. So I don't want to have all the fun, right? I want to share. I want to share. And I want to show you some things He's been showing me from the Word because that's we feel safe when it's from the Word, don't we, you know? <laughs> Psalm 16, verse 11. You will show me the path of life. 
in your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Okay? Let those words hit you. This is David writing. It's a Psalm of David. Lots of David's Psalms are linked to, like he had some big troubles in his life, you know, didn't he? Lots of Psalms are linked to specific um, things of trouble for him, but not this one. This is a general Psalm. There's a general Psalm of David that he just, he just wrote it on a normal day. Just a normal day, everyday Psalm. Everyday Psalm for everyday life for you and me. And he starts off by saying, Lord, you, you God, will show me the path of life. That's cool, isn't it? Isn't it cool knowing that as we navigate the maze of faith with Him and life, that God is going to lead us step by step in the ways through all that to fullness of life. Like, that's cool. I like that. But then, did you see what he said next? Then David writes of his experience with God. He says, in your presence is fullness of joy. Now, we often translate joy away from things like happiness or fun or away from being only happiness or fun. And we do that because we have to make sense of this verse in times where we're not happy or having fun, right? So we translate joy or bend its meaning around so there's less tension in it for us so that it means something like enduring peace. In your presence is the fullness of enduring peace. We can kind of make sense of that one in any circumstance. The only thing is that when we do that, we actually throw out the essence of what these words mean, okay? We throw it all out. In your presence, David's saying. In other words, he says, God, when I am with you, you know how when you're hanging with people, something of who they are is contagious for you. Something, it, it, you catch it. And it's coming from who they are. It's not necessarily something they're doing or what. It's just being with them. That, that you get a bit of them and, and, and it's contagious. That's what he's saying. In your presence, I catch something of who you are, God. It's contagious. And I get it when I'm hanging out with you. It, it rubs off on me and I can only describe it as fullness. This is fullness like you were really hungry and then you saved up for the buffet and you went to town. Like you had dessert first, you know, and then you went to the main and just you get you go from hungry to full, really good, full. That is great. I'm satisfied. That's that word. Fullness in your presence, God, I catch something of you. And it's like this. I didn't have it before. And then I go from not having it to being full full and satisfied and sitting back going, that, I can hardly move. That, that is good. And he says, it's joy. It's joy that I get. That's simha. Simha. It's a Hebrew word. Give it a go. Simha. If you're not spitting, you're not doing it right. Simha. Simha. Okay. It means, it means lighthearted. It means lighthearted, it means merry, it means gladness, it means rejoicing, it, it, it means fun. You get that? 
That's David says, he catches from God of who, when he hangs out with God, he catches something of what he is. And, and, and it's fun. It's fun. It's gladness. It's merriment. They're having a laugh. It's lighthearted. It's joy. That's what David says rubs off in him to such a full extent when he hangs with God. We've got to laugh at that. <laughs> Thanks for joining with me. Do you get that when you hang with God? Is he merry? Is he laughing? Is he jolly? Is he fullness of, of joy? You've got to laugh. And then, next verse. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Forevermore. At your right hand. That's like saying, as one who is sitting in the place of greatest favour before the Lord. As one who sits at the strongest arm of God who will not miss any of who He is and His blessing. And that, that was David in the psalm. That, that's us, by the way, in Jesus. That's this beautiful place we have before the Lord. In Jesus Christ, He says there are pleasures that is literally beautiful things delightful things just for the sake of being delightful, pleasant, and I like this one, sweet. Sweet things forevermore, continually, perpetually, for all eternity. Continually, perpetually. So let's, let's put this all together. David's literally writing in this psalm, God... When I spend time with you, something happens for me. I catch this overwhelmingly full and satisfying experience of your light-hearted merriment. It makes me laugh. I can't help but want to get involved. It's just gladness and rejoicing that makes me go, that is good and you are continually and always just giving me sweet things just for pleasure, for fun, delightful things, pleasant things. Wow, what's it like for you to hear that this is in the Bible? Yeah, that's what I thought. I thought, wow, what a God. Like that sounds like a fun God to me, hey? Oh man, hanging out with Him and laughing and having a chuckle and Him, I'll have more of those pleasures forevermore. Send them down, God. That's what I was sort of thinking. But at the same time, I was also thinking, what's happened to me? What has happened to me that... Like, I must have lost sight of that somewhere along the line. I got all a bit serious. Stuff came in and made me not really see this as much as other attributes of God. And it's linked with other aspects, but this aspect, I'm not, I'm not sure I really get that. I'm not sure I'm as connected with that. 
So now I grant Psalm 16:11 um, the status in my life as funnest verse of the Bible. Yeah? You get that? Funnest verse. And since seeing it, there's been a shift. You can't unsee some things, you know, and they tend to change you like that. That's how revelations go. And since seeing that written in the Bible, I'm seeing other things too. Like I'm seeing funness in the life and times of Jesus Christ. You know, He is the most accurate revelation of the Father that we've got. And you know what? The Father is pleasures forevermore. As it turns out, Jesus had fun. Have you read the stories of Jesus and thought, like, fun's not top of the list? You ever thought that? Like, it's, anyway, let me give you, I want to give you, it's in there. I want to give you an example. Listen to this one. Um, this is Matthew 17. When they had come to Capernaum, those who received the temple tax, tax collectors, came to Peter and said, does your teacher not pay the temple tax? Now that, that tone, I think, could have been, your teacher does pay the temple tax, right? Your teacher, he, he pays the tax, right? But Peter, he said, yes, but he's covering for Jesus, Right? Of course you say to the tax collector, yes. But he's covering it. And it says, when he had come into the house, Jesus anticipated that. He anticipated him. Anticipated him what? Anticipated Peter coming and going, Jesus, the tax collectors, the temple tax collectors are at the door and they've asked if you pay taxes. Don't worry, Jesus, I covered for you. I said yes, but now I'm kind of wondering, do we... Do we pay the temple tax? It says Jesus responded before he could sort of say that. And he said, what do you think, Simon Peter? From whom do the kings of earth take customs or taxes? From their sons or from strangers? Peter said, oh, that's, that's an easy one. There's not a king of earth who taxes their sons or pays tax themselves. They take it from other people. That's what the kings of earth do. Jesus said to him, oh, then the sons are free. <laughs> Do you know, Jesus is saying, I'm the, I'm the son of God. Why would I pay tax? I mean, it's the temple tax. You worship me at the temple. That's, like, I don't pay tax. Why would I need to pay tax? As Peter's standing there thinking, oh, well, well, I, you know, I, I mean, I think the same, but these guys at the door, like... Is that what you want me to go back and say to them? Okay, uh, well, turns out, no, we don't, because he is God. So, that, like, I can see Peter seeing a problem with that and how that's going to go down. But then Jesus says, look, nevertheless, lest we offend them, here's the fun bit. Go to the sea, cast in a hook, and take the fish that comes up first, and when you have opened its mouth, you'll find a piece of money. Now, Jesus used a word there, not for just any coin. He actually used a word there that, that can be translated stator. A stator is the exact amount of the temple tax for two people, right? That's what he's saying. Go get your fish. Open its mouth. In there, you're going to find the exact amount for the temple tax Take that and give it to them for me and you. Now, can you imagine Jesus saying this in the King James Version? To go down to the 
you can't read that seriously. That is wildly fun. I mean, you've got to laugh. You gotta laugh. This is tax time, remember? Ever had a fun tax time? Imagine Peter going down there. He going down and he meets up with his mates. What are you rigged for today? Oh, brim. Oh, I th- thought I'd get onto some whiting or something like that. What about you, Peter? What are you going for? Oh, I'm a tax. I'm down here to catch the tax today. And they're like, Peter's been hanging out with that Jesus for too long. Imagine the moment when he gets a fish and he opens its mouth. And it's not just any old rusty coin in there. It's a stator. It is enough for two people. Jesus didn't just pay his taxes. He paid Peter's. That put a smile on my face. Ha! That's the funnest tax I will have ever paid. You can't tell me that Peter didn't grab that coin and go back to the tax collectors. And as he put it in, he looked, look, I just imagine this moment. He would have the biggest grin on his face. In your presence, oh, fullness of joy, even tax time. Yeah, get that. Thanks, Jesus. This is really cool. That's wild how you work there. Like, that's just fun, isn't it? He puts that in and they have a laugh, a light-hearted laugh. Tax is fun with God. <laughs> have you ever seen that in that passage before? No. Why not? Why? That's the thing. Why? Why? I've got another example that may shed some light on why we struggle to see these things in the life of Jesus. It's from Mark. Mark chapter 6, it says, Immediately he made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side to Bethsaida while Jesus departed to the mountain by himself to pray. Some of you know this story. Now, when evening came, the boat that had the disciples in it was in the middle of the sea and Jesus was alone up on the land. Then he, Jesus, saw them straining at the oars because there's a great wind that had come against them. Now about the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea, which is pretty amazing, and would have passed them by. Good. Yeah, some are seeing it. And when they saw him walking on the sea, they supposed it was a ghost and they cried out for they saw him and were troubled. But immediately he talked to them and he said to them, what? Be of good cheer. (laughs) Be of good cheer, don't be afraid. Then he went into the boat to them and the wind ceased and they were greatly amazed themselves beyond measure and they marvelled For they had not understood about the loaves. They had not understood the significance of what Jesus did with the loaves because their heart was hardened. Now we're going to come back to that. Their heart was hardened. Now I'm going to argue that this this is a fun, wild, light-hearted, powerful kingdom moment. But I do admit, I think it's easier for me to see because it's a bit of dad humour, right? 
It's a bit of that. Now we've got the disciples doing exactly what Jesus wanted. They've got in the boat and they've gone out. Things have got rough. And for them, this is a bad night. This is, we were tired. Jesus said get in. We didn't want to. We did get in. Okay, we'll go over the lake. Then the wind sprang up. Fourth watch of the night is when Jesus went out. That's all the way through the night, by the way. So they've been rowing and and contending all night. They're exhausted, right? And it says, Jesus, so it says, Jesus, he was going to them. It says he went out to them, right? His purpose was to go to them. Then the walking on the water thing, well, that is pretty amazing. Is, is Jesus doing something effortlessly um, of what is mega difficult for the disciples, right? <laughs> They're rowing and they're not getting anywhere. Jesus kind of goes out to them, but he, he, he would have walked past them. Do you get that? Like I get that moment as a dad. You know, recently I... Um, I just got glasses for the first time in my life. We went and got tested and the guy said, the guy said, yep, you're going to need glasses. And I said, put the order in. I was excited for them to come. Finally got the word, um, the, your glasses are here. So I went off and got, picked them up and um, came home. But I didn't, just, I didn't just walk in to people and say, hey, I've got these new glasses. I, I think it's a bit daddish. I just put them on. I just walk in. <laughs> and I don't say anything about them, I just sit down. And I just interact with everybody until they notice and go, oh, you've got your glasses. Like I sort of deliberately just walk by. You know that moment? It's fun. It's funny. It also happens. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks. <laughs> Thanks for laughing. <laughs> An, when I get a haircut, I do the same thing. I go and get a haircut. Maybe people at home don't know I'm getting a haircut. I walk back in and I don't say, hey, everyone, I've just got a haircut. I come home and Kerry is often like video messaging or on FaceTime to Liz, um, her, her sister or something like that. So I don't walk in and say, hey, what do you think of my new do? I photobomb the video. I walk behind it with me catwalk walk on like this. <laughs> And I hear Kerry go, ooh, there's Tim. He's pretending we can't see him, but he's just got a new haircut. I, I think there's a bit of that going on here, right? Get this moment. In the, in the middle, the, the disciples, they're having difficulty at the oars. Jesus saw them. He saw them. Jesus went out to them and he's, he's walking on the water but it takes note of the fact that he would have passed them by. So he didn't go straight to them. And I know you often see pictures of the halo and the glory around Jesus in the middle of the night, but imagine if that was you. Like if the disciples are up there rowing and exhausted and you're just walking on the water, how would you be walking? I'll be like this. I'd even... Wouldn't you? Isn't it? You come on. You would. Jesus waits until they see him and they notice him and they freak out. And he breaks out of pretending that he was going to pass them by because it's already told us he was going to them. And he goes over and his first words are, Be of good cheer. <laughs> and they didn't get it. 
so he got in the boat and he miracled the wind away. He went, you know what? Fine. <laughs> wind gone. You didn't get it. Wind gone. Let's just go on the calm sea. And they were amazed at that. They were amazed at the wind going. And that shocked them and amazed them because they hadn't understood something about the loaves that Jesus had just done, the miracle of feeding the 5,000. Like they, they hadn't understood that because their hearts were hardened. Hang on, these are the disciples. They're not hardening their hearts. These are the ones who were moving with Jesus. They'd got in the boat when they didn't want to. These disciples were actually opening their hearts to Jesus, but it says their hearts were hardened. What is that? Do you know it is possible to be actively opening your heart to Jesus, but at the same time, because of years of conditioning and even religious conditioning, the state of your heart is that it has been hardened. It's not an active doing. It's something that happens to us. We can have hearts that have been hardened as well as journey with Jesus to say, I open my heart to you. But the disciples were missing stuff about Jesus. They were wanting to move with Him, but their hearts had been hardened from years of religious conditioning. And so they were missing stuff that Jesus was. They were missing the fullness of it. They were seeing some things, but not others. And in the outworking of their response, they weren't responding in the fullness of what was actually on offer for them, not because they weren't trying to follow Jesus, because the reality, they, the state of their hearts was that over the years, they got hardened and they couldn't see. I want to ask you this morning, is, is it possible that while we are not deliberately hardening our hearts to Jesus, that we're missing some parts of Him? And that we're missing some of what God is because from years of conditioning, particularly in this area of fun, our hearts have been hardened. We had communion this morning. You know what? My very first memory of communion is I used to sit in church with my uh, family now I used to bring a little survival, like a church survival kit. And I had little cars in there and had little boxes, sultanas. Who ate little sultana boxes in church? Yep. And so while church went on, I could sit on the floor and I'd with my cars and I'd eke out my sultanas because I knew the sermon was really long. But I'd be having fun down there. And then every now and then, not every week, but some weeks I'd feel my dad's hand on my shoulder. Come on up. Come, come, Tom, to stop playing. Come on up now. And I'm like, nah, they're not singing the last amen yet. I don't usually have to get up and stop having fun until they get to that last amen and then I know we're out of there. Dad would put his hand on my shoulder and say, no, no, it's time. It's communion. It's time to stop playing. It's time to sit up. And I'd be like, oh, I can't have communion. I'm too young. And who'd want it anyway? It's like the world's smallest morning tea. <laughs> I'd look around the room. I've had to leave my toys. I'm looking around the room at people I knew to be joyful and fun, but in that moment, they're grey and sombre. 
and the organs playing and it's communion. Do you reckon some conditioning happened there? You reckon? When I first started in ministry, the emphasis was on excellence in what we did. And it, it needed a lot of work, a lot of work. So without anybody really trying to make it like this, it was sacrifice, it was what are you prepared to pay? It was cost, it was giving, it was busy, it was let's do the work and Jesus is gonna bless. Do you know how, how much room there was in that for fun? It got him a day off, all I wanted to do was sleep, if I had a day off. Fun wasn't really part of it. You know, in 46 years, I actually haven't heard a message on fun that hasn't been about curtailing it to keep it holy. You gotta keep your fun holy and God will let you do that fun. But if you step out of that, boom, not good. I've never heard a free message on fun, hopefully till today. Hopefully till today. Huh. <laughs> Gonna go viral. I hope so, I hope so. Hmm. I wonder if there's been conditioning go on. We don't wanna harden our hearts. And as followers of Jesus, not many would say they deliberately harden their hearts. But I think well, our hearts may have been hardened. I think so. There's a beautiful story in Nehemiah where God actually instructed the people to have more fun than they thought religiously appropriate. They thought the response was to be sorrow and mourning. God said, have a party. Have a party. It was in the time where they'd come back from the exile and things were tough in the land. The cities of Israel, they were decimated and all the villages, rubble everywhere. Life was tough for this relatively small group of Israelites and food was scarce because no one had been looking after the farms and they'd just been instructed to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem, right? And they trusted God and they wanted to know God more than ever. And there was huge opposition to the walls being rebuilt and there was lots of rubble and there was lots of discouragement. This is what was going on for them. But they got the walls done. They got the walls done. It was like epic. God moved mightily and the walls were completed. And then deep in their hearts was this understanding, we need Him. We need God because things are so tough and we're exhausted and things are hard in this land. And so they asked Nehemiah and Ezra and the Levites to read them the book of the law. And so they entered a period of time where the book of the law would be publicly read out over these people day after day. And you know what happened as that book of the law was read out? The people realised for the first time for all of them how much of God's instruction they were not living by and how far over the centuries they had departed from what is clearly set out in the book of the law. And so they got this heart of sadness and sorrow and there was mourning and there was wailing. And then it says this in Nehemiah chapter 8, Nehemiah who was the governor, Ezra the priest and scribe and the Levites who taught the people said to all the people, this day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep. See that? For all the people wept when they heard the words of the Lord. Then he said to them, Go your way, eat the fat, 
drink the sweet and send portions to those for whom nothing is prepared. For this day is holy to our Lord. Do not sorrow for the joy, simha, of the Lord is your strength. So the Levites sounded like a bit of a job. They quietened all the people. They had to work on the people to bring them round to this saying, be still for the day's holy, don't be grieved. That sounds the wrong way around, doesn't it? And all the people went their way to eat and drink and send portions and rejoice greatly. They rejoiced greatly because they understood the words that were declared to them. Don't you love that? Ha! Huh. That at a time where everything was just so difficult and where the people were actually having this, this religious, in some ways beautiful response to the Lord of sadness and mourning and wailing, that God actually said, oh, I love, I love what I see going on here and it is bringing me joy. And so what I wanna say to you is, stop crying and stop mourning and let's have a party. Eat the fat. That's not boil the vegetables. That's get into the ribeye. Get the eye, fill it out. Drink the sweet. Now, now we're Baptists. Well, I think that's get out the wine. Get out the wine. Get the ribeye. Get out the wine. And if you know someone who is in desperately hard times and don't have any ribeye and wine, get them around. Get them around and kick up a party and rejoice greatly because the heart of the Lord is Simha. He is joyful and merry and lighthearted and He loves it and He loved the heart of the people and He said, so let's party and let's have joy where in your life you're, you're, you're facing difficulty and you're mourning about it. That, that's cool, eh? Yeah. God says, would you have more fun? Would you come, come on, let's have some fun. I love that from him. You know, there was a time where Kerry and I had to go to a meeting in a process that had, um, well, it was hard and particularly hard for Kerry. Uh, Kerry had been disempowered all along the way in this process. And we had this meeting that was likely probably going to be the same. Anyway, we were on our way to that meeting. And I can remember um, we arrived and we walked and we saw the room where we had to go in and the doors open and some people were in there. And I'm like, got that knot in my heart. Oh, this is going to be hard. And Kerry just grabbed my arm. And she's like, I can't, I can't go in there. I can't do it. And she got really triggered. And I'm like, oh, what are we going to do now? So we kind of diverted off from going to that room. We went in to the kitchen and we're talking about, what are we going to do? And I'm thinking, how am I, how am I going to get Carrie in there? You know, she's triggered. Anyway, as we were talking about that, someone, who, someone else who was coming to that meeting arrived. They walked in and made a cup of tea. And it was a little bit awkward. And they <laughs> came across and started chatting. And I'm like, oh, man, talk about tough. Anyway, that conversation happened and they went um, into the room where the meeting was. I said to Kerry, what are we going to do? And she's like, no, nah, I'm fine now. Let's go. We're going to the meeting. I'm good. I'm like, well, that was a big change. Like triggered to, no, nah, I'm fine now. Anyway, I wasn't arguing. So off we went into the meeting. The meeting was what we suspected it might be. We got home later on. 
were debriefing what had happened. And I said, Oi, Kerry, what, what changed? Like you went from triggered, I, I cannot physically move myself into that room to go on, nah, it's all good. Let's go. What happened? And she said, it's going to sound really funny. She said, but while I was talking to that person, clear as day, God said to me, hey, Kerry, have you ever noticed how much that person looks like Homer Simpson? (laughs) She said it wasn't an insult and it wasn't derogatory and it was so clear. And she said, as I heard the word of the Lord and I talked with the person in front of me, I kind of... I kind of went, yes, that is the case in every way. And she said the triggeredness went to like, she started trying to suppress laughter, going, oh my goodness. Let the joy of the Lord be your strength. Giggling in her heart with the Lord, Carrie then went into the meeting. Let, let. Would God say a joke about Homer? Yes, actually. Yes, actually he would. And the joy of the Lord is our strength. Those are the words for today. Let the joy of the Lord be your strength. I think there's room to move for us there. I think we are used to letting the seriousness of the Lord be our strength. I think we're used to letting a whole lot of things other than the joy, the simha, the merriment, the light-heartedness, the God who jokes, the God who laughs, the God who is fun, the God who when we sit at His right hand loves nothing more than to continually and perpetually and eternally give us pleasures for pleasure's sake so that we have good things. Let the joy of that God be your strength. I think in the room today, God wants to reconnect the fun part of your life with the fun part of His life. I think as you go this week, God wants to share jokes with you as you go that will probably be some of the most powerful kingdom work He does in your life this week. You see that? Are you going to let that happen or are you going to say, chocolate? That can't be coming from you, God. Chocolate? Yeah, chocolate. And jokes. And Homer Simpson remarks. And all sorts of merriment and lightheartedness and laughter from our awesome God so that His joy is our strength and we smile and we allow ourselves to enter into that fullness. I don't think there's too much more I need to say. I believe that's the work the Holy Spirit wants to do. So can we get up on our feet and kind of pick the song with plenty of energy and joy. And so enter in and let the joy of the Lord be your strength. And thank you, God. May it be contagious in this place today in Jesus' Name for your laughter and your smile and your simha to be so contagious in this room, smashing religious conditioning and leading to abundant life in the freedom of the joy-filled, amazing God you are in Jesus' Name. Amen.
Thanks so much for listening to Hope Community Podcasts. We hope you enjoyed today's message and remember to subscribe to the channel to keep up to date. From everyone here at Hope Community, have the best week.